This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmorris. You can call me Fitzy. How are you doing? Hope you're well. Whatever you're doing, downloading this pod. As I often say, walking the dogs, enjoying the beautiful sunshine, complaining about how hot it is. Um, whatever you're doing, uh, thank you once again for downloading Poetry Emotion. And of course, as I always say, all of the Blood Red Banner, the Umbrella uh, podcast as well. They are excellent. If you are a Liverpool fan, you should be listening to them. Uh, we are joined by two um, worker bees. Should we say worker bees or worker ants from the uh, from the Liverpool Echo? I'd like to say worker bees, drone bees. What, what would you call yourselves? I'll find out in a minute. It's Pat Smith. How are you, Pat? I'm very good. I'm just actually thinking. I'd like to think I'm a bee, but I'm probably an ant gutically. But yeah, buzzing to be back on the poetry fit, you know, It's always a pleasure. You say, you say buzzing to be back then. No, I, <laughs> I didn't even clock it. <laughs> no, it's good to be back. At a nice bit on the Costa del Merseys. It's a lovely 32 degrees. So we've got to be enjoying it, haven't we? We've got to be enjoying it, haven't we? Till the sweat starts pouring down your back and you, you get it, Eddie. Um, and also, as well, a newbie, another newbie, another debut. Um, coming in strong with Richie Garnett. How are you, Richie? As in Alf, you said, didn't you, pal? That's it, mate. Yeah, I don't support West Ham. You'd be pleased to know. No problems there. Yeah, I suppose if you come in, you be that would classify me as a B, I suppose. Yes. So, uh, I'm happy to take that. Um, there's no honey endorsements yet, but if this pod goes well, you know, maybe maybe next time I could get Little's own brands to uh throw a bit of sponsorship your way. You want a bit of Gales, mate? That's the best. And there's some wonderful puns to kick off the show there from the pair of you. Loving it. Buzzing already. Uh, let's get all the comedy out the way because let's face it, we've had a we've had a, a defeat to Man United, so apparently the season's already over, isn't it? We've it's been an extraordinary reaction to a uh, to a first game back um, pre-season with Man United. Of course, the result didn't go as we wanted it, but let's just calm down a little bit. Jurgen Klopp played three different teams in that ninety minutes. He played they played half an hour each. Uh, blood and young legs, you know, establishing the, the the more experience later on in the game, trying to work out stuff, just the kind of thing. It's basically breaking sweat, isn't it? The first game of a preseason, most of them, let's be honest with you. Um, but you'd think uh, by the end of the 90 minutes and, and the subsequent uh, coroner's reports after it, that that, uh, that uh, Liverpool uh, are about three players too shy. To, uh, to to mount any challenge in the league. It's, it's an extraordinary. Liverpool fans will be Liverpool fans, as are most Liverpool football fans, rather. Uh, you kind of get the doom and gloom out the way first. Uh, not much to worry about, Richard, was there, my friend? I mean, let's be honest with you. It's just one of those things where you, you're literally stretching the legs, aren't you? Well, I was watching the um, hastily arranged uh, press conference in the airport the other day uh, when, when they arrived, you know, straight off a flight, the first thing you want to do is sit in front of a load of uh, a nation's media, isn't it? And uh, I noticed that uh, Jordan Henderson and James Miller didn't really say much at all other to say how happy they were to be there. Um, maybe they were happy to be there for a, a break from the school run after training. Um, but really, it's I guess it's it's, it's very much th- these tours. I don't want to be cynical about it, but the, 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 they're very much sort of a a commercial exercise are there before we get down to the real business and and i think you could probably see that represented in the number of players uh that, that jürgen's chosen to use in a, in a 90 minute match i'm not quite sure how many he used in the end but uh i certainly wouldn't have wanted to have uh kept count on the team sheet and and with that many changes that is literally giving people a runabout 
Uh, and I don't think there's uh, too much to worry about at this stage about the result. No one wants to lose 4-0 to Manchester United, of course. And I'm, I'm sure they were absolutely delighted with that. The new manager obviously wants to get off to a decent start and curry some favour with his supporters uh, who, who have had little little to shout about since uh, since the exit of their uh, great Scottish manager a few years back now. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll give them we'll give them the Bangkok Cup and uh, move on to the next one. Yeah, gutted we lost the Bangkok Century Cup. That's been a murder. Pat, you know, it, it's it. Listen, it was one of them things, wasn't it? Where he played three different teams. Let's talk about the positives from it. I mean, the goals were conceded by daft mistakes, weren't they? Liverpool play a high line. They played a high line with the wrong personnel, and that's simply what happened. I mean, it's it, you know, there's no great autopsy to be had here. Um, but let's talk about uh, the first. Uh, the first, uh, the first team that he put out. The first, he was. It was sort of what was he doing? Half an hour each, wasn't he? So the first half an hour uh, included uh, Harvey Elliott, uh, Cavallo, um, Diaz, uh, and some really positive stuff there, wasn't it? From, from from the front, breaking forward as well. Obviously, Tyler Morton was was really strong as well. You know, they didn't get the press right, so they got kind of caught with balls over the top and stuff, didn't he? But um, certainly going forward, Diaz looked as promising as he left us last season, Pat. Oh, you know, I thought Diaz was the shining light in that team. Yeah, we had so many chances, actually. The weird thing is, United probably had those two chances in that first half an hour and took both of them. You know, their two shots on goal, let alone on target, both hit the net. It's really strange. And we had a couple from Diaz. Carvalho, I thought, as well, in that first team, looked really, really promising. He had a shot that hit the post. He had a couple of bursts forward from midfield. Really, really impressed by him. But I think the main thing that I've taken from it is, you know, the result does not matter one bit to me. What you've got to remember is, it was United's first team who have had two weeks of full-on pre-season training. You know, most of the Liverpool squad hadn't even had training by that point because they'd been away after international duty. You think of Diaz and Henderson, just to name two of them. And these Liverpool players have come back in. They might have had one or two sessions. The other players probably off the ball work, straight on a plane to Thailand, playing straight away the next day. Whereas these United players have had a couple of weeks under Ten Hag learning his philosophy because he's come in and he said, right, you need to learn to play like my style. You need to learn to press. Show me what you can do in pre-season. So obviously... Those United players, I think, you know, you look at the likes of Eric Bailly, to name one, they've really got to start standing out and actually pressing and doing some more work off the ball. That's why they looked perhaps more impressive. And they took the chance as well, you know, Rashford and Sancho again started well at wide. Both had relatively poor seasons last year. It's difficult, always going to be difficult for Liverpool's young fullbacks. I forget the name of the right-back young lad. He had a mistake that led to one of the goals, you know, just unlucky. A young lad looked promising bursting forward. And then, um, yeah, Nat Phillips with the other mistake, you know, he's being asked to play the high line when we had that brilliant end of the season run with Nat Phillips and Williams at the back. They were dropping deep and that's when they were brilliant. You know, you want Nat to be dropping back and just heading everything away. Perhaps it was a bit too much of an ask for him, especially without, you know, much of a pre-season behind him. He just didn't have the legs, it looked like. But um, yeah, it seemed promising. The positives to take, you know, Harvey Elliott, I thought he's someone I'd like to play through the middle. But I thought he was good out wide, you know, taking on Luke Shaw at fullback, gave him a few problems. And uh, Carvalho is the one for me that I thought Carvalho, even in half an hour, really impressed me. You know, you can just tell that he's going to be a brilliant player. I'd love to see more of him in the Palace game tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. We'll touch on we'll, we'll touch on uh, Carvalho now, uh, Richard, because he was um, he looked lively, didn't he? He looked like he was filling them gaps that we used to watch uh, Phil Coutinho do. Lots of movements, going out wide, um, linking up with Diaz really well, and then going through the middle. He looks like a real catch, doesn't he? Yeah, well, I've been saying on the Blood Red podcast for a few weeks now. Um, he's the, the the one player of real uh, intrigue to me because the question I've been asking is where does he fit in this Liverpool side? Where you know Jurgen's got this very 
very uh, predetermined four three three that we used to see him playing. Uh, how, how does how does this new exciting promising player fit into that system? And 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 is, you know, is he going to be right at the top? Is he going to be dropping into a sort of a, 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 a midfield role or an advanced midfield role? Does he even know, uh, or is, it, is, it, is now the time is 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 sort of rehearsal to try and find out what sort of what sort of contribution he's going to make to this Liverpool side? But it looks like he's got all the uh, all the technical and intricate attributes that you'd want to see. Maybe may closer to Bobby Firmino than than some of the other players, which is which is no bad player uh, to be able to deputise for or or even eventually replace if that's the long term ambition. This this forward line of Liverpool's it's going through a bit of a bit of evolution at the moment, isn't it? We've seen uh, Diaz come in uh, in January and, and command a, a position, forcing uh, Sadio Mane into the middle, and then obviously Mane's now left, and we've got Nunes coming in. So the, the, there are changes. The the trusted trio uh, no longer exists, and and what we might see going forward is very different. But it looks like Cavani is a player um, that that it could fit into that uh, that group. I'm really excited to see what he can do this season. Yeah, me too. He just looks lively. He looks like a real club player. He's lively. He's busy. He can he can link the midfield, I think, to the uh, to the forward line as well. Burst through into the box. He seems to to have all the uh, the attributes that we need. I think um, Darwin Nunes, of course, we all waited, didn't we, Pat? We all waited for our for the for the, for the chance to see him. Had an early chance. Missed a couple of chances. Really, had an early chance that Robbo put him in on. But again, he's one of these who's got to fit into Klopp's way of, of, of thinking, hasn't he? But I think he will. I mean, I think the prospect of that front three, whether it's Diaz, Nunez and Salah, or, you know, I, I, I can imagine it's going to be Diaz and Salah firmly nailed in for those two winger positions. And then whether we have Nunez and then we have, of course, Jota, uh, Bobby as well. It, it's still looking really, really, um, really confident for me. It's looking like a lively side. It's looking like Mane's a really difficult replacement, let's be honest with you. And I think the one thing that any Mane replacement has to learn is to the work rate that Mane had. Because regardless of his finishing, which, you know, let's face it, became patchy until the second half of, of last season where he, where he found form. It was just his overall game, wasn't it, Pat? And, 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 and his, his pressing and his is energy, and that's very much something that Liverpool rely on. So we've got to hope that anyone filling in for him uh, brings the same kind of um, of energy levels. Yeah, I mean, it's always something that's difficult to replace, but I don't think we're in a well position at all with Nunes. He looked so tenacious and lively, given he hadn't had a training session, really. He looked really, really, really impressed me. I know his finishing was a bit off, but you could tell by the runs he was making, the, you know, the work he was doing, pressing their back line. I was very impressed by him. Surprised you missed that another pun as well. You talk about bursting onto the scene. Well, he had blisters, didn't he? Darwin Nunes kept pulled out the first training session because blisters all over his feet. Seems to be struggling. It's clearly not been the ideal start for him. You know, he did have that open goal miss, but who cares? It's preseason. I like the look of him. You know, the runs he makes, him and Sally, you can always already see there's a little bit of link up there. You know, just couldn't quite get on the end of some of the three balls a little bit too much on them. But that'll come by the time the season's here. You know, I've got no doubt that he's the right man to not replace Mane, because I don't think you can replace him as such. It's, you know, one of the greatest in, in my generation, definitely probably the greatest Liverpool player I've seen under Jurgen Klopp. It's really, really difficult to replace him. But yeah, the position he makes, I think the goal output is definitely going to be similar, if not better from Nunes. And I'm really, really excited to see him kick on, to be honest, because it's not been the best of starts for him. Let's hopefully hope he sorts his boots up, perhaps goes a size down, doesn't get any more blisters, can get involved in more training sessions. And then, yeah, hopefully impress more into pre-season games. Poetry and 
motion on the Blood Red channel. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to, these things just go down to utter faith in, in, in what the management and the backroom staff have. And he looks lively. I tell you, he looked lively as well. Richard was um, was Mo Salah. The last podcast we did, um, Theo Squires uh, quite profoundly said, um, I don't think he's going to stay. <laughs> I'm going to have to pull him next time we see him. Uh, I mean, look, at the time, we all thought the same thing, didn't we? We all thought... You know, if this has been dragging its heels for quite a while, maybe he's just going to see how the first... Well, I said, I suggested in the last pod that we were going to... Maybe Liverpool will want to see out see out the first half of the season and then decide whether they wanted to just get rid of him or not because he <clears throat> had become quite hard to defend him many times. I don't mean on the pitch defend. I mean as a fan defend because the last half of the season, uh, he was really jaded. And of course, you know, his output was, was, was ridiculous last season, the games he played in. So it's no wonder... Uh, he came on for the last uh, the last 30 of this game, Richie, against um, against United. And uh, there's just something about him. Looks really, it looks like there's a lot of cobwebs been shaken off him. It looks like he's had a good rest. And it also looks like a lot of the burden of signing contracts and playing internationally for your, for your, for your, of course, for your country, um, that seems to have, have drifted off. He looked sharp, mate, didn't he? He looked like he, he, he was picking up that mantle again. And if he can get going on that wing again, with Diaz on the other side, it's <clears throat> in the middle. They're going to cause absolute mayhem, aren't they? Yeah, well, first off, I think there's no way Theo Squires would have uh, eulogised that he thinks Salah's going to leave in his little six words. That must have gone on for a good half hour. <laughs> the uh, first half hour, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without a break. I mean, Gail's honey wouldn't get a look in there. <laughs> but, yeah, if you if you look back to like Salah at the start of last season, right at the start of last season, I think he was probably the best player in the world. Um, and, and just watching him at close quarters and how he progressed, he be, I think he kind of became that player at Anfield where he was the type of player, it was for me anyway, he was the type of player that you might watch on the pitch when the play was elsewhere and and, and just, you know, his movement and, and when he was receiving the ball, just how good he was with it. And, and obviously he was getting the goals as well. And then he, he kind of, he had a bit of adversity, didn't he? He lost, he lost AFCON and... That, I think that was a bit of a blow for him. And then, obviously, Egypt not qualifying for the World Cup. The, the, these things were probably personal crusades of Mo Salah uh, for, for carrying his country. And, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to get the results that, that he that he wanted. And, and there's, there's no getting away that it that is... When I say his output, I suppose, in terms of... Really, what I mean is in terms of his goals, uh, tailed off in the second half of the season. The, the, the numbers back that up. But he was he was still... The same dedicated, uh, consummate professional, f- uh, frighteningly fit footballer that that we've seen all along, and um, I, I guess obviously he's not going to the World Cup in the winter, but ha- having this little break would have done in the world of good. I think he's he's he signed that new contract. I think he always wanted. I personally think he always wanted to sign a new contract, but he wanted to get the money that he fought. His, his achievements deserved and his standing within world football deserved. And, and I suppose, as especially as a couple of older school fans here, maybe that that's a, 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 an element of modern football that we have to now accept that that the business aspect of it will take a level of priority. And if players don't think they're being um, as well remunerated for it as some of the other top stars, they will start to look elsewhere and or, or make overtures that force clubs to try and. Uh, up the ante a little bit, but at the end of the day, I think he's 
He's got himself a pretty good deal, hasn't he? And that 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 is now done and dusted. Mane's gone. Uh, he's got his contract, and all he needs to think about now is knuckling down and achieving achieving what he wants to achieve. He says he wants to achieve the Ballon d'Or. Um, he's going to have to be brilliant to do that and getting off to a good start pre-season. That's only going to help him. I expect him to start the season um, after Burner's on. And with all the talk of Nunes and everything, the main man, I think, will still be Mo Salah. Yeah, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, going back to Theo Squires, who we love dearly, of course, Theo, if you're listening. Um, he was he was, in a, he was in the majority, wasn't he? Most of us thought, oh, this is getting a bit shady. And then suddenly, literally, I think it was about an hour after the podcast, we, we'd recorded it. Um, he signs a new deal. So, uh, I mean, I think that's put a lot of people's noses out of joint as well, Pat, hasn't it? Because let's be honest with you. I think a few of the uh, so-called experts out there were starting to, 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 to rub their hands together and start chuckling and saying, you're not going to keep hold of him. But but it, it, is a, it is a major step forward for Liverpool, isn't it? I mean, every, I think everyone wanted him. You know, uh, there was certainly a vast majority of Liverpool fans wanted him to stay on here and uh, and, and show even more of the class that he's been showing over the, over the last few seasons. Remarkable records, stats and goal scoring and assists. And now we can put it all to bed and just watch the best of Mo Salah, can we not? Yeah, I was definitely in the glass half full last time we did a poetry motion, me and Theo. I was very ambitious and hopeful that Mo was going to sign. I'm so glad he has, you know, that's better for me than any other signing we could make, you know. I don't care about Jude Bellingham. Getting Salah to tie down to a new deal is far more important than that. I'm so buzzed. And I think now as well, he was always the main man. There's no doubt about that. And perhaps Mane left because Mane wasn't the main man. But there's he's undoubtedly now Salah, you know, the, the king of that front three. You know, It's now his time to completely dominate it himself bring through the new blood and Diaz and Nunes, hopefully, as I've said, I think Diaz is a 30-goal-a-season player waiting to happen. Um, Diogo Jota as well at the time of recording, unfortunately, has had a bit of a hamstring scare. He's going for a scan, so by the time you listen to this, we'll know the outcome of that. So hopefully it's not too serious for Jota, but yeah, it really looks like it's salad season to you know, kick on. I'd hopefully win, well, maybe not the Ballon d'Or now, I think it's probably going to Benzema, but he can become the best player in the world and undoubtedly he's the best player at Liverpool now. And I'm just so much buzzing we've got this many more years of him. You know, you saw in the preseason match against Man United, the link-up between Trent and Mo on the right. There's a lovely little passage of play where they're just three quick flicks and then Mo's in behind you. Know, that's what we want to see this season. Just, you know, it's, it's such a joy to watch him. And it would have been such a shame to lose him. And, you know, it's definitely, definitely to our benefit that we've kept him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the weird thing, Richard, as well, is that a lot of the things that... And I did read some stupid posts. And he went all from Man United fans saying we're going to win the league. Um, some of them for Liverpool fans being a little bit glass half empty to to, to call Pat. Um, a bit ridiculous, you know, things like uh, we're we're, too, we're, we're we're definitely a sign and short midfield. I think we're going to struggle. It's just it's incredible what people can watch from a, from a, from a, from pretty much a training session. Um, you know, this is a Liverpool team that, from what they've achieved over the last few seasons, I've I've only are only really changing one personnel, aren't they? It's only Mane. Really, who, who who we're having to fill the shoes of? Everyone else is as is, and I don't know whether they're thinking that's an age thing, and he wanted to get like because of the talk around you, Bellingham. But this is a this is a this is a this is a really talented Liverpool side, Richard, isn't it? And and all right, you could turn around and say Jordan Henderson's cracking on, Fabinho's cracking on, Thiago's cracking on, but you could also say that they're mature players who know exactly how to play with each other now uh, after another season together, and and and, and they're going to link up really well, surely, aren't they? Well, what they are is proven winners. They've won everything there is over the course of uh, uh, a few seasons. Um, and that level of experience and that sort of um, expertise in getting the job done 
is something I think Liverpool fell short of for a couple of decades, really. They had some good, talented sides through the years, your Fowlers, your Matt Manamans, and, you know, going on into Brendan Rodgers' area and Julia sides. But some some of those sides just, you know, they, they won cups and whatnot, but perhaps on the longer term, especially in league runs and stuff like that, just lacked a little bit of the nous to get to get the job done. That's not the case now. Um, we've got we've got uh, a real side. It's, I mean, it's probably on on balance. It probably is um, the best Liverpool side I've ever seen. Really, so it's it, it's difficult to to pick too many holes in it. Nothing's perfect, of course, but it's difficult to pick too many holes in a side that I, I consider to be the best Liverpool side I've seen consistently, and I started going in in nineteen eighty seven. So. I, I think talk you know talk about updating the midfield is it, it, it's not without validation is it we know that they probably want to make changes there in due course but what what seems to be different now of course is that um rather than oh if you can't get a target we're going to get plan B and plan C plan D and the approach now seems to be well actually we've got a very good side we're gonna if we can't get plan A now we're gonna wait for him. If we can get them in 12 months' time, then we'll have the player that we wanted and we will have still had a very good side in the meantime. So, which is, I guess, which is stopping you from signing players that are, are stop gaps or or short of the of the standard that, that Jurgen Klopp is, is demanding for this side. And we've got to be realistic, haven't we? You, you, need, you need the absolute very best if you're going to compete with Manchester City because they're just one big juggernaut of top players and it doesn't matter if Stern leaves or whatever, they've just got someone else who, who comes in and does does the same job. So they've got to be absolutely bob on. I think I think just on Salah, um, you, you, there's no, it was slightly calculated that surely because there's absolutely no way uh, a team could have absorbed losing Mane and Salah in the same summer. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are, you just, just that just couldn't have been allowed to happen. So maybe they decided, you know, okay, we can allow allow Mane to go and we'll and we'll we'll throw all our uh, extra chips at Salah here to to make sure he stays and he and he's the main man. Uh, but you will. <laughs> It doesn't matter. Whenever you lose any game, you're always going to get people that, that that come in and say, "Oh, we're short of this, we're short of that," and it's all doom and gloom. But um, I, you know, I've probably been at periods like that in, in my own sort of supporting career at points. But uh, uh, I'm I'm way beyond that now. I just leave, leave it down to the real business on the pitch. Well, absolutely, mate. Yeah, saves you a few headaches, doesn't it? Talking about midfield players, the extraordinary news. That Ginny Wijnaldum has been transfer listed by Paris Saint Germain. Um, you know, a couple of seasons ago, he was he obviously you know he he left Liverpool, went on to to, to further his career in PSG. Not further his career, obviously, but you know, choose a different path. Boy, has that gone wrong? I mean, football is 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 a is a tightrope, isn't it? And uh, for Ginny, it's it's um, he's just fell off it. It's uh, but PSG don't give you any time at all whatsoever. One of them spoiled rich clubs who, who kind of, if you don't get in hitting the ground running, you're in trouble. Um, there has been stuff in the past about getting him back on loan. Uh, Ginny Wijnaldum gone, as far as you're concerned, Pat. Is that one of them things where you just close the book on him? I mean, he was one of them players who you never really appreciated until he wasn't playing for you, didn't he? He did an incredible job for Liverpool. And, uh, worth picking him up, Chloe? Worth picking him up for, for, for on a free transfer? If you, ask, if you ask me personally, I would say yes for now just for that immediate cover and somebody can slot straight back in. But I think we all know that 
Klopp is certainly one of those people who wouldn't go back to a former player, I don't think. I think if you ask Klopp, he'd say no straight away. But I, I personally don't think it's a terrible idea. You know, he was an amazing player for us. He got goals midfield, bursting forward. He was, you know, so reliable, barely got injured. I can't remember him being injured at all, to be honest, the whole time he was there. Um, it's obviously been a really difficult time for him at PSG. You know, Pochettino coming in, didn't fancy him. PSG obviously won the league, but Van Alden barely had a shout in the first team, barely barely played for them. It's really, really strange for a player of such quality to get such a high-profile move because they had those big signings, didn't they? What Messi, Ramos, Donnarumma, Van Alden was one of those being presented you know, in front of the fans at the stadium. It's really strange that it's not worked out for them. They've got a new coach now, and, uh, Christophe Galtier. He's just come in and basically said that Van Alden's not part of his plans. He's going to be looking to get rid of him, probably on loan for now. So it's, it's a difficult one. I think in an ideal world, if Liverpool do get this dream Bellingham deal over the line, it looks likely that that would be a deal for next summer. So perhaps if that happened, you could get one Alderman in as a year cover for that position, you know, just to slot in. Because that's the thing we know. It's difficult to adapt to Klopp's side. Any midfielder we sign takes time to adapt. You know, I always mention this. You look at Fabinho taking so long to adapt. Thiago, I know, albeit it was a very different Liverpool side, Thiago first played him with a deeper back line and a struggling Liverpool team. But when Alderman's one of those who just pop straight back in and you rely on him. So personally, I would say, yes, I'd love to see that move happen. I'd love to see Genie get back playing because he's such a brilliant player. You know, you think of the Barcelona game, it's the most iconic thing. Those two headed goals, you know, bursting forward from midfield. I think that's what Liverpool not are missing, but it'd be an extra, you know, bow to have in the attack in the sense of midfield because we don't have goals from midfield. You know, you look at the output last year, Fabinho is the most with five goals. I think the next was Thiago or I think Henderson both had two or three. You know, it's very, very minimal. We need a near double figures midfield goal score I think and one Alden could be that one but I think if you asked Jurgen Klopp he'd definitely say no <laughs> Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel Well like you just said Pat uh, Richard he doesn't like to go back does he and it's one of these things we're only asking this as a devil's advocate type of thing so if there's people throwing their pens down on the desk listening to this going Genie what are you talking about we're just we're just throwing it up in the air. Of course, he wouldn't be a free transfer, which I mentioned at the start. It would be quite a, probably, I would imagine, quite a, an expensive buy. They want to try and recoup some of the money. Or, or they got him on a free, I think, didn't they? Um, but, you know, it's one of them, Richard, isn't it? It is an interesting point that Pat makes. He slots back into a team that he's known for a long, long time. But it is very much a case, I think, with, with Jurgen Klopp, where he's he been there, done it, hasn't he? And he doesn't tend to, to take players back once they've once they've made that decision. Um, I was involved in a debate article about this a few weeks back ago on the Echo um, about, you know, would you take him back? Wouldn't you take him back? And I was kind of in the I'd take him back article, uh, uh, camp, but so was the other writer. So someone needed to take an opposite view. So I said, right, I'll take the opposite view. And by the time I'd finished it, I'd completely changed my mind. And actually, no, I, would, I wouldn't take him back. Uh, and for a few reasons, look, Ginny Van Alden was under no obligation to leave Liverpool. He's left for more money. It's as simple as that. He was going to go to Barcelona. Um, he got to win the Messi going to PSG. And lo and behold, uh, he's turned up in Paris instead on, on a uh, extremely healthy wage packet. And um, the fact that it hasn't worked out after a year is a bit tough, really. I mean, he's still being paid an absolute king's ransom. I can't remember how long his contract was for, but... Um, it's all right, PSG saying he's surplus to requirements. Well, he's got a contract there, and if he wants, he can sit on that contract until the day it runs out and and live in the Seychelles for the rest of his life, if so if so suits him. 
Um, but although although I think he obviously knows the inner inner workings of uh, Jurgen Klopp's midfield and, and, and would probably have no trouble slotting back in there and and, and, and adapting to the system. And, and he was, of course, a, a very much a big game player when Alden wasn't it? He always turned up uh, turned up on the big matches and, and, and either whether it was controlling midfield or, or weighing in with vital goals, he was capable of doing all that. But it's not a progressive step. Um, he's 31. Um, and the reason we're talking about changes in midfield is we're trying to put fresh blood in there and more energy. I, I don't think going back to a player who left for more money is doing that. And privately, over the fort, Jurgen Klopp holds pretty similar view to that. Um, so yeah, I don't see that happening. As nice as it is to have a bit of a bit of romance about the uh, the Barcelona semi final or, or or whatnot, which let's not forget he didn't start. He came on as a sub in that as well. And he was he was pretty angry about that. So maybe he'd already made his mind up before he scored those goals that he was going. But but uh, yeah, no, I, I don't see him coming back. And if he did come back, would he be starting every game? Probably not. And if he'd be exactly back in the same position that he wanted to, uh, he was in, sorry, to, to start with uh, before he left Anfield, uh, with, with Liverpool having to pick up uh, at least a proportion of his very big wages. So I think it's a non-starter. Excellent. Put that one back in the box. Thank you very much, Richard. Goodbye, Jeannie Wijnaldum. Um, <clears throat> interesting midfield. When, when we looked at the uh, the game the other day, Harvey Elliott, you know, it's funny, isn't it, when you see some midfielders that have been passed on, like Minamino. <clears throat> um, well, he keeps them, doesn't he? He keeps the, the, the ones that he thinks are special. And he's definitely helped, helped, kept a lot of faith in Curtis Jones. And uh, and also, obviously, Harvey Elliott as well, um, who, 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 you know, was finding his feet a little bit, obviously got injured. Again, is is probably going to struggle in the in the current lineup. It may feature a couple of times, but we'll we'll, we'll struggle with the, with the midfield that I think Jurgen Klopp really wants to play. But um, it's interesting that he keeps his faith in some people. One thing I was looking at today, uh, the extraordinary signing non signing of of uh, Ben Davies. It's it's it, it's that's been a remarkable chapter in that guy's career, hasn't it? Sort of nicked from Preston for about an initial five hundred k, I think, wasn't it? Um, Hasn't featured at all. What do you think the thing is with that patch? You think that he's? I mean, he literally he hasn't even been used in the, in this preseason. It's been a it's been a you know it's virgin on the side of snub, isn't it? So is that do you think a case really where players were forced upon Jurgen Klopp at a time when he really desperately needed centre backs, or is it a case really where Ben Davis hasn't really shown? Because I've spoken to Preston fans who said he's a really good player. He was he was one of their star players, and yet he's come here and it just hasn't worked on any level whatsoever. They're looking at uh, possibly getting rid of him to Stoke. I think we've seen Blackburn Rovers as well. Is it perhaps you think that the fact that he's he's, he's seen as a really good championship defender but, but can't make the step up? It's just the weirdest signing. I don't want to be too harsh and be too mean on Liverpool player, but there's the footage of them returning for the first day of training, Klopp giving all the players high fives and hugs. And Ben Davis walks over and gives him a hug and Klopp just looks around after like, who the hell was that? <laughs> it's a really funny little bit of footage. Yeah, I think it's probably a signing that was made by the club, not by Klopp. I don't think he'll have had any say in that. To be honest. It's, it's just the weirdest signing. He's a very good championship defender. You know, We know that he's brilliant at Preston. He had a brilliant season last year on loan with Sheffield United. They had a promotion push, but lost in the playoffs to Forest, I believe, on pens. You know, unlucky for him. But yeah, it's just such a strange time. I don't understand why we made it. It was at the time, obviously, when we had so many injuries. Granted, that did make sense to sign a centre back. You know, I think Ozan Kabak was brought in, which makes 
a little bit more sense, but is equally just as strange because he was shipped out again straight away. It's, you know, I think he was on loan, wasn't he? Came back and we didn't opt to buy him permanently. Just another bizarre move, you know, with Fabinho playing centre back for a lot of the games, but Ben Davis and even looking at just, I, I mean, I've lost words. It's like I can't even try to. I'm trying to be devil's advocate and think of a reason you might sign him. Perhaps the fact he's a homegrown player, he's an English player, and counts towards that in his squad might be useful. But he's just been an, an additional number. You know, you've had Reese Williams and Nat Phillips. You know. It makes more sense to bring the youth through in those sense because they've been playing the same Liverpool way through the academy. I don't know why they wouldn't have just trusted and stuck with them. Perhaps there was a lot of pressure from the outside. You know, at the time, I, I can say now looking back, you know, oh, it worked brilliantly with Nat Phillips and Reese Williams. But at the time, everyone was probably thinking, no, we can't go into the second half of the season with a 19-year-old and someone who's been playing in the German second division for the past few years. You know, we need to sign someone. So that's probably the logic behind it. But uh, yeah, I'm very much expecting him to be sold imminently is, is he on the tour i don't know if he's actually on the preseason tour i'm not sure on that one but if he is he's just gonna be waiting for that move which is imminent i'd say because he'll be a very good championship defender you know it's a very very good level but that is his level yes yeah, it's, it's strange he didn't even go to the asia this, this tour of asia that's what i'm saying it's 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 a really remarkable one i guess you know i guess it was panic stations at the time richard wasn't it and something that because literally every other game, the centre-back was going down injured and it was a case of who can we get. And, but does feel very much like Jürgen Klopp said, I want nothing to do with this guy because he, I didn't sign him. And, and But he clearly, look, I'd, I'd like to think Jürgen Klopp's a progressive enough man to think, well, I didn't sign him. I mean, I don't think he knew much about that. He's admitted he didn't know much about Andy Robinson, let's be honest with you. Um, he has said that publicly. He said, sort of said this was a sign and it was done, you know, more club level. But, but then he's he's become the player he has. So there must be something that he saw, obviously, in Andy Robertson for him to get that, you know, for him to finally get his place ahead of Moreno. Um, but with Ben Davies, it's just it's just been a non-starter from the way it go, hasn't it? And they'll probably end up selling him for like 17 million quid or something. <laughs> I mean, they do do fantastic business like that, but it's been, it was just a really strange situation, wasn't it? Yeah, there's a few points there, isn't there? Just on Andy Robertson... Um... It did take him quite a while to get into the side, didn't it? It was certainly no uh, his our new left back to replace Albert Moreno, who, who let's be honest, I don't think was the greatest left back, was he? Really, certainly not, not uh, the standard Liverpool really needs. I think, uh, so, but he, he's forced his way in and got into that to that clock mentality and, and through hard work, determination, and his own talent, he's, he's become the player that he is today. But if we look back at that. Um, that disaster when they basically had no centre backs. I suppose it, it 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 kind of exposed a slightly different issue with uh, Jurgen's way of waiting for the right players. So he, I think he lost uh, Dejan Lovren, didn't he? Um, and and then he was never replaced. And it's like, oh, we can make do with this because we've got Fabino. We can play centre back. But when he lost all his centre backs, Fabino can only play one position. Can't he? He can't play as. Uh, you can't play as two centre backs and then maybe a full back as well. Um, and of course, you, lo you lost something uh, big out of midfield as well by him doing that job. So that that all, that was obviously something. I don't know if it's ever been publicly admitted, but it was obviously something that backfired. And whenever you're put into that sort of firefighting situation where you're desperately hunting around uh, for centre backs, <clears throat> things strange things start to happen, don't they? So. Um, I don't think people knew too much about Kavak when he came to the club and, and, and Ben Davis obviously would have been uh, better known further down the pyramid as championship level and, and I think I think he'd done well for Preston hadn't he but for him not to literally kick a ball in anger 
he's obviously looked at him in training or in practice matches and thought you're you're just not at the level. What have, what have we done here? Type thing, and uh, which is seems seems really harsh. I think, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't seem particularly fair on the player himself, does he? he was probably probably um, well respected at Preston, and then all of a sudden he's just kicking around, doing very little at Liverpool. So it's. It, I'm, of course, he'll be very disappointed about that because I think he was very he was very proud to have signed for Liverpool and and to have not have actually kicked the ball for them. It is. It was a bit of a waste of his time, really. So you, you certainly couldn't begrudge him. Um, Moving on at any sort of cut price deal, and you know you say Liverpool have got this unbelievable habit of of maximising revenue out of players who who basically simply aren't playing for them or aren't get or aren't first team regulars, and um, be interesting to see what they can pull off pull off with uh, with Ben Davis. But I, I certainly wouldn't begrudge him just being able to terminate his contract and go somewhere where he's getting game time because no doubt he deserves that. Well, at the very least, I mean, we don't want to, we don't wish him any hard thing. I guess it's just happened. And like you say, he's probably been really excited to come to a club like Liverpool. And then has sort of been a little bit of a kid at the sweet shop window looking on the inside, isn't he? It's, it's, it has been a bit of a shame. Um, just going back to the next game, of course, which is tomorrow, Crystal Palace. Uh, they've gone to Singapore now. I've been to Singapore and it is like, you know, what you used to say years ago when you used to step off the plane as a kid when you were going to Spain, it was like you'd walked in the laundrette. You know, that heat, that laundrette heat. Singapore is an absolute killer for it. I mean, the humidity is ridiculous. You are, as soon as you step outside the hotel, you step outside of aircon range, you are sweating. I mean, it's, it's again, another one of these things where you can understand why players don't particularly want to go to these countries to play football because it, or whether it's some sort of tactical genius medical thing where it's like kind of high altitude training, I don't really know, but it is, it's probably more commercial, let's be honest. But, um, it is a sweatbox, Singapore. They're playing Crystal Palace tomorrow, of course. Do you think, um, Pat, that on the back of uh, the United game, uh, and even though, you know, it doesn't really matter, let's be honest, but do you think that those little things kind of eat away at Klopp when, when he has to answer questions afterwards? Do you think he will look at this again and do another three lineups, or will he maybe try to to, to, to set a stall out a little bit better and uh, and, and try and... Uh, try and get a result or does he not really care is he looking at his own things rather than the game itself I don't think he cares one bit and I don't think he wants to be in those places for pre-season one bit either I think he absolutely hates it and you can just tell Klopp's ideal pre-season is what he's had the past couple of years go to a camp in Austria Germany Switzerland in the mountains I think he normally goes to Austria Germany have a high altitude camp where everything's under control you know it's just the players just the coaches in a small area you know they've got millions of fans in the Far Eastern Asia, you know, that wants to be there, you know, selling out that massive stadium in Thailand for the United Liverpool game. Granted, you know, half it was United fans. They'll be selling out the stadium in Singapore, which I'm not sure there'll be too many Crystal Palace fans, South London expats in Singapore. There might be a few, but I think it'll be mainly Liverpool fans selling it out. And it's just an absolute cauldron. And I think it's, you know, what knowing Jürgen Klopp, I don't like I'm knowing, but what you can tell, he just hates it. You just you can just tell he doesn't want to be there in the press conferences. He has to toe the line of, you know, being happy to be there and thank everyone for the hospitality. But he just wants to get out of there, have no injuries, get straight back to the training camp because they are going to, I believe, Salzburg and Leipzig for a couple of games. They'll have their Austro-German, um, Austro-German training camp. You know, that's what Klopp wants. That's when it'll really start for me. So I think these games, we can't take too much from it because it's just really early days. And you can tell, you know, United played two teams. They played their first team for, I think it was 60-odd minutes and then brought in the, young, the youngsters. 
you know, cup trying out three teams. He doesn't want injuries. He doesn't want to tire the players out. He'll be aware, as you said, Fitzy, of the ridiculous temperatures, almost matching, you know, the northwest of England in this week. Um, yeah, I think the main thing for Klopp is don't get any injuries. Get out of there, you know. Put on a show for the fans, you know, give them the last half an hour of Mo Salah and Trent, you know, doing some fancy flicks. Hopefully, think against Palace, who don't have as much to prove as the United players did to Ten Hag. You know, they're not going to be as fiery and, you know, fierce with the challenges and pressing tenaciously to show off to the manager because they've already impressed Patrick Vieira. You know, he knows his squad. And I'm pretty sure Palace are in a similar situation where they haven't had too long a pre-season either. So I think it'll be a bit less intense, shall we say, than the United performance that Liverpool will be up against. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we keep mentioning Ten Hag as being the genius behind Manchester United. Not one of us has mentioned Steve McLaren yet, who is the, obviously the silent genius. Steve. <laughs> The man, who, the man who famously put up an umbrella when it was just spitting. When he was England manager, he'll never live that down. Will he? And of course, the Dutch accent. Just say it's multilingual as well. Steve McLaren. Arsenal are a great side. Um, yeah, it is one of them, isn't it, Richard? Where he's just going to, you know, Klopp is just enduring these, isn't he? You can tell he's got that pained look on his face when the people come out. By their very nature, you'd rather be just. Like Pat says, he wants to be in Salzburg and Leipzig and he wants to go to Germany, doesn't he? And he wants to do them things where he's it's his, up in the mountains there. You know, uh, altitude, better for him. Uh, these things are just signing and smiling, aren't they? And signing autographs. And, and it is a little bit of a pain, isn't it? And then, of course, you've got the added thing of you playing Man United in, in, a, in a game that doesn't mean anything and then you, you're on the wrong end of a 4-0. And he's got to answer questions about his decision-making. It must be an absolute torture for him. And I bet he can't wait to get up in those um, Austrian and German, whatever he's going to, and, and against Leipzig and, and Salzburg, and just sort of get away from all and self-concentrate. Because they're the games, let's face it, you know, before probably the Community Shields, you know what he's going to think of where there's going to be any kind of feeling of of trying to put a shift in, because these ones are just tactical, aren't they, and, and, and bedding in the new player. Well, yeah, I make no mistake, by the time Jürgen gets to Austria, he'll be like one of the Von Trapps running through the fields, <laughs> singing, spinning round, absolutely delighted that he's out of a far far east tour uh, in a situation where he doesn't want to be risking any injuries. And, and obviously, he, he's already got one by the sounds of things we're hearing at the point of recording uh, with Jota having a little bit of a problem that we'll hopefully know a bit more about um, uh, in, in the next few hours or the next 24 hours. But yeah, the, the, the serious work's going to start when he gets when he gets to Austria. That's clear. But what what Klopp is really good at is, is he's a bit of a PR dream, isn't he? You know what I mean. Everyone loves him. He, he's always um, very good with with the a range of different journalists that he deals with. And you know, I've been at some of his presses, and the, and the type of questions that he can get asked can range from um, you know probing ones to the outright ridiculous. And he always approaches them exactly the same, and, and and takes care of his takes care of his media duties in a professional and enlightening way. And he, I'm sure he'll continue to do that in in Singapore. Again, I'm not anticipating a classic there. He'll probably use the same amount of players, uh, and he might get. Uh, well, let's hope we'll get a similar result. But it, it's quite possible, isn't it? You know what I mean? Crystal Palace a good side as well. I think they they looked uh, pretty impressive. I thought last year under under Patrick Vieira, uh, moving on from Hodgeball, 
uh, and taking things to a new level at Sellers Park. And I, just just on a side point, I know, I know I'm not talking about Crystal Palace, but I think they'll be an interesting team to watch next season and might might surprise a few people a little bit higher up the table. So in terms of uh, of playing against a decent technical opponent, I think they've, they've certainly got that in, in Crystal Palace. But yeah, it, it, it's when they, when they get back to Europe, um, I think we're going to see uh, a, a more of an idea of a, a bit of a settled side and the, and the type of type of team that he might put out uh, when he faces Fulham at the start of the season. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked about players coming in um, and, of course, a few going out. We must mention Nico Williams, who's uh, who's signed for uh, Nottingham Forest. Uh, never let us down, really, that kid. Never really. Very, very difficult to try and deputise. Uh, behind uh, uh, Trent's in very, very difficult position to try and get a game in. Um, good luck to the kids. It was, I mean, we've got a very good feeling. Got 17 million for them, didn't they? Or something like that. Um, and, and good luck to him. And, and he's going to get a game all the time, isn't he? And he's going to flourish and he's going to, he's going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to grow as a player, Pat, and given that opportunity. And uh, as long as he doesn't do it against us. Yeah, I'm a massive, massive fan of Nico Williams. Obviously, been a Wales national team supporter, lifelong Wales supporter. Nico has been absolutely brilliant for Wales over the past year or two, playing left wing back. Strangely, even though he's a right back by trade, he's been absolutely phenomenal out there. And you know, he's had a very, very good six months with Fulham in the Championship, won the league with them. Very impressive. I think he had a ridiculous goal contribution. I think it was four or five goals and then the same amount of assists in such a short space of time for a right back was really impressive. Granted, Fulham. Are, Far too good a team for the championship. You know, I think they'll be not a surprise package in the Premier League season, but I don't think they'll be straight back down as they have been previous times. I think they're looking a lot more like the real deal. And they'll be gutted that they didn't get the permanent signing of Nico. But yeah, it's a brilliant signing for Forrest. Um, Steve Cooper as well, you know, great manager. He's finally got the ideal wing back, I'd say. You know, Nico's a very, very good wing back. That's almost this problem that he's too attacking to play right back. He doesn't quite have the discipline for that. And he's not quite good enough to be a winger. I know it's such a strange thing to say because he could play in both positions competently, but he's perfectly suited to their three or five at the back over where you want to look at it. And yeah, it's a relative shame to see him go from Liverpool because I'd have loved to have seen him develop. But, you know, he's only a couple of years younger than Trent and basically Trent's the best right back in the world. He's going to be the best right back in the world for the next 12, 13, 14 years, hopefully, you know, long may his career carry on. And there's just no way you're going to get past him in that time, you know, Perhaps you could look at left back, but then you've got Robbo who's going to be there for at least another six or seven years, probably. You know, there's no way in for Nico, unfortunately. So the only way was to go out. But yeah, Julian Ward, brilliant again, getting a very good fee for him. Perhaps 70 million is a little bit higher than we were expecting, which is, you know, very good business for us. But I think it's worthy because Nico is a brilliant, brilliant player. And uh, I did bump into him after Wales' qualification match after <laughs> they beat Ukraine outside Gareth Bale's bar. And I did convince him to try and stay at Liverpool, but clearly he didn't listen to my. Drunken message in Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, restraining order, I think, came to mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he is one of those players, isn't he, Richard? That he, as I say, you, you, whenever he come on, he wasn't necessarily one of those players who, who if he if he, he came on for Trent or something, people were going, ah, oh, no, we're going to go down the pan. He's a very hard act to follow, Trent. But Nico Williams, he always had something, didn't he? He had a little bit of the Trent about him. He had a little bit of skill to him. And... Um, you know, and he will grow now as a player, won't he? And what a fee. That goes alongside the, the Jordan Ives and the Dominic Solanke fees, doesn't it? For, for how we pulled 17 and a half million, I think, out of, uh, out of Notts Forest. But um, you know what? He might go on to, to prove to be worth three or four times that. Yeah, it's another fantastic fee, isn't it? And uh, I was just going to mention, like, so Jordan Ives and, uh, and Solanke, you beat me to it, really. It's not my fun, the rattle. Um, well, yeah, you can have... Um, 
Ryan Brewster then, that was another one. <laughs> another one, yeah. Brad um, Brad uh, Smith, was it? The, the left-back Australian. Brad Smith, left-back. the Aussie left-back, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He got six million for him and, you know, I, I don't recall ever seeing him play, actually. I don't think so. Well, again, said many for Ben Davies. Yeah, you might do, yeah. And, well, knowing Jürgen Kopp, he'll probably pick them up and say how fantastic he is and then get the money. He's very good at doing that. Wasn't it Alex Ferguson who once said um, Charlie um, Charlie Adams' corners were worth £15 million alone or something and we signed them for more than that a few weeks later? They know what they're doing, these managers, don't they? Uh, but no, um, Nico Williams, yeah. I, I mean, Patrick's pretty much said it all, hasn't he? But he, he was a very good player. Um, come through the ranks at, at Liverpool, uh, but it, it is almost impossible uh, to conceive a way that he would be able to push Trent Alexander-Arnold out of this starting eleven. And if he was been, would have been happy to play the bridesmaid, he could have continued at Anfield. I'm sure Klopp would have been very happy to have had him on the books. But of course, uh, the key point is he, he is only a tiny bit younger than than Trent, and uh, and he's a he's a Welsh international and a player quite capable of having a sustained uh, Premier League career uh, as a first-teamer. So th- th- those reasons do not justify staying at Liverpool, uh, a- acting as a backup, do they? He's not there for the money. He's there to be a successful footballer. Uh, so I'm very pleased for him that he's managed to uh, to get a move. And obviously, they've brought in a younger deputy who, who sounds like he's a good player, uh, but, he- but he's a lot younger and can learn his trade uh, to replace him. So... That's good business all round. I was a little surprised he didn't go to Fulham. I thought that might have been a bit of a shoo-in, really. You know, having having gone there and helped them uh, uh, win the, win the title, uh, just, you would have expected them, uh, Fulham to be able to uh, uh, have done the deal on that. But may, maybe Forrest were throwing the money around a little bit, sold a few a few old Brian Clough autobiographies or something to raise the extra cash, uh, and they've took him. So so uh, good good news for Forrest. I'm quite pleased to see Forrest back in the Premier League, by the way. You know, sort of a traditional good good English uh, football side. We have a lot, a lot of history with Liverpool down the years. So, pleased to see them back. And uh, I hope Nico Williams does well for them. Yeah, absolutely. And Steve Cooper as well is a brilliant job we've just mentioned. Right, boys, that is it. Uh, we have Crystal Palace tomorrow. Don't forget, don't panic, everyone. We, I don't think we won any of our pre-season games this season. We won the league. So, don't worry about it. Um Richard Garnett, thanks very much, my friend. It's been a pleasure. Good debut, and I'll see you again soon. Excellent. Thanks for having me, Fitzy. Appreciate it. Cheers, pal. And if you want to get in touch with uh, Richard, only nice messages, please. It's at Garnstead, G-A-R-N-S-T-E-R. Pat Smith, thank you once again for your contribution, sir. Always a pleasure, Fitzy. I'm looking forward tomorrow to the inevitable meltdown, regardless of the Liverpool result. People complaining about midfielders, I look forward to it. I thrive on it. Yeah, that's what we that's what we live for, isn't it? Uh, if you want to get in touch with Pat again, only positive stuff, please. At Pat Smith Sport, uh, and this is Neil Fitz. You want to get in touch with me? It's at Fitzy Fella. Uh, this has been Poetry in Motion. Um, just as excited as we always are to watch the Reds, uh, no matter what the lineup, no matter what they're doing, and excited for another season. And we'll see you all again on another Poetry in Motion very, very soon. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.